All right, we are back with Mind Flayers Part 2 of Question Mark. Perhaps we'll go another 36 hours. Who could say? How does it feel to be back? Feels good. Welcome, Traveler. Dungeons and Dialectics, the synthesis of tabletop role-playing games, philosophy and theology. So Joey, um, have you actually ever encountered a mind flare in in one of your campaigns? So the answer is no. But oh. I'm I'm a dungeon master and I actually ran a whole arc with the mind flayers, which was like a linchpin to the campaign. Well, tell me more. I would love to tell you more. I had the best idea freshman year of college. I was running the campaign and it was the night before winter break and we were meeting. We were having our like final, like kind of closing session. And I had come up with the best plan ever, Matt. My plan was the players get captured by mind flayers that wipe their memory and through the next like series of adventures, they have to sort of unearth what happened. And so we'll play what happened in flashbacks. Oh, so like you mean you sprung it on them that they had no idea where they'd been for a certain amount of time and they had to re they had to like uncover the truth of what had happened? Exactly. Exactly. And so Ooh, that's a good idea. That was the ending of the session, was I said, suddenly you're walking through the woods and then everything goes dark. You wake up and you're in a strange round chamber that seems to mess with like the geometry of of how these shapes should work this like strange flat soapstone and they're like what the hell man and i was like you don't remember how you've got here how how much time had passed um like a month or something oh my gosh yeah yeah so if if anybody who's listening has ever played dungeons and dragons you probably know this is a stupid idea and it's terrible Oh. Right, Matt? Really? I thought it would be kind of fun to fun to have a month disappear. <laughs> this is the thing. I totally stole their agency. I took them oh. from this place. And then in every flashback, all the players, who were really nice, by the way, they were like so collaborating to help get them to this spot that would make no sense for them to actually be in. And and they were very kind about it. I wonder, is there a way you could do this where it wouldn't be agency stealing? Like you say, it's a month later and you're in some nondescript location or whatever. I, I don't know how you'd have to fill that out a little bit, but such that it's like not actually fixed where they are and you don't know where, like they don't know where they are. So then they do sort of month flashback and wherever they wind up is where they are. Yeah, yeah I could I could see that working. That would, because that's a lot more like an improv game where you're sort of, you're saying we are going to figure out where you are right now together through flashbacks. Whereas what I was, what I was doing was I had decided they were going to go to the mind flayers and that was just going to be it. Now I'll tell you why I wanted it to be mind flayers, Matt, was because in this mm-hmm. campaign, there was this whole arc where the, this dragon named Palathos who had died, had created the special ritual to create undead that were actually good or neutral or were just like the humanoids that they came from. Maybe flawed. Just normal people. Exactly. And so they had <laughs> already encountered three different cities of of the dead, of the walking dead. They were facing a lot of violence from the, the kingdom at the time because they were undead and 
the kingdom was like, oh, well, undead, we just have to murder them. They were bigoted against the undead. Exactly. So they had explored, they had met these undead, they had explored the dragon Palathos's old lair after he died. They had met with the king and, and there was all these like, like political dramas going on and whatnot. And for some reason, I had decided that the best way for them to like fix some of the problems and resolve some of the challenges that they were facing was to go back in time to when Palathos was still alive and get more information on the ritual mm. so that they could do something with it. And I don't remember the details, but... They went back in time? They went back in time. And so... Back in time. And so we'll get into this this lore later in the episode, but there is there's a bunch of different lore surrounding the the mind flayers, but one piece that I had read in Lords of Madness, which was a 3.5 supplement, one piece I had read for some reason made me decide that they came from the future and what they had done was they had sacrificed a bunch of elder brains and by sacrificing them they had opened up a time vortex which brought them into the past because in the future mind flayers basically rule the world and uh and enslave like all of the all the world but then they were you mean in your in your story they the mind flayers had in my story so i decided that if the players got captured by mind flayers, they would be in this final combat where they weren't going to have any escape except to kill the Elder Brain. And when they kill it, a time vortex opens up and it's the only way to escape. It was the railroadiest adventure I had ever designed. And I still feel bad about it. Oh, no. And, and so they killed the Elder Brain and only like half of them went back to the past. So mad. What? We spent the next like rest of the game with half of the people a hundred years in the past where, <laughs> by the way, they did not go and see Palathos, which was the entire reason I had like tried to send them back. But they did not pick up on that because it was it was a poorly done hint and it they decided it had nothing to do with anything. And I don't even remember. What did they do? They bought a house. <laughs> And fucked around. Because they knew that it would, like, appreciate and value so much? I don't know. I don't know. They were just, like, they're just, like, I don't know what to do. So this is what we're going to do right now. So those were my mind flayers <laughs> in my world. To really get in there. So the thing that I do want to share is the lore update that they get in 3.5. Because I finally found the piece of information that inspired me to send them back in time. This is what it says. Lords of Madness. This is page 75. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Here we go. Um, it has a summary of their... Oh, shit. It's not 75, is it? Oh, my God. So their like main goal, of course, is to extinguish the sun, blah, blah, blah. And according to uh, 3.5, this is page 73. Wait, no. Shit, where is it? I had it just a moment ago. Oh, here we go. Page 71. We learn that there are several like pieces of literature in the game world that describe the Illithids. The Plain Treader's Prince is a book of primeval knowledge. The Astramundi Chronicles are ancient and unknown in origin. And the most archaic are stone tablets called the Sargon Prophecies that talk of an Illithid world bathed in eternal night that is destroyed in a fiery cataclysm from which the Illithids flee in flying ships. Now, they have this empire long in the distant past built on slavery and domination, uh, mostly on the, the Giths or humans that eventually become the Githyanki and Githzerai. And um, they rise up, they overthrow them, and the Illithids that elude their vengeance are able to re 
regroup and escape to a defensible fortress deep underground where the Gith races chose not to pursue them. And this is where it gets interesting. This account is basically true, but is flawed in one astounding respect. While the rebellion of the Gith did indeed take place in the past, about 2,000 years ago to be precise, the Mind Flayer Masters had themselves just arrived in that era from the unimaginable future. Oh, what? At the very end of time, the Mind Flayers faced extinction at the hands of some unknown adversary, caught in the throes of defeat, harried in their crumbled capitals and university. The surviving Lithids concocted a desperate plan. As their psychic defenses were breached, they sacrificed countless ancient, potent elder brains to produce a psionic maelstrom of unimaginable proportions. The ensuing cacophony of energy demolished the very laws that support the structure of time, and they were hurled backwards against the ravaged barriers separating the ages to arrive in the present world thousands of years ago as recorded in the Sargon prophecies. Oh, wow. And from the end of time? From the end of time. And in the impossibly far future when the stars are reduced to pale red cinders flickering coldly over somnolent worlds, the Illithids will rise from the subterranean dens to face the languid twilight and establish once more the empire they lost they will be stronger crueler and hungrier than ever and all hope will die brutal so that's where i got it from so it's totally true supported by the lore and we threw it in there the not inconsistent lore the not inconsistent lore exactly so what you, what we find out is that Sirik Aquar is actually the future. That's awesome. It's pretty badass. That's that's a great little way to like combine two things. Is oh, there's there's mutually incompatible descriptions of this. <laughs> so I'm working uh, overtime. One of them is deep in like the deep future at the end of time. That's awesome. I love that. Yep, yep, yep. I'm just trying. I'm trying to synthesize everything, and of course, all of this is inspired by the real events that happened in Hawkins in 1983. That's right. Can you? What, what a fucking twist that would be if the upside down. Down wasn't another dimension but the future dude i'm telling you duffer brothers you should put this in the twist for season five this should be exactly what happened that would be badass yeah and vecna could be uh like mike or whatever the main character's name is mike who's the main character of stranger things what's his name oh yeah yeah i see i see what you mean yeah is it mike the one played yes, by yes, yes, yes. okay this is the first time this has been uttered, and if it's true, it's going to blow everyone's minds, okay? Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things is Vecna in the future. Okay, if... Or in the past. If you've seen season five, four, you know that that's not true, so... That's what it is. Well, you know what? I haven't seen season three, so this is my, <laughs> this is my season two speculation oh about season four. <laughs> Vecna actually, you know, as much as like they call him Vecna and like I love Vecna and we're going to have a lot of fun with that episode too. If you thought this episode was long, mm. whoo, get ready. Oh no. I actually, I have something I can contribute finally, a meta-textual, meta-theoretical point about the Illithid. Yes. So we talked a little bit about Lovecraft and Lovecraftian stuff and materiality and all these things. But as you noted throughout, really like the Lovecraftian monsters, whether they're in Lovecraft or in one of the people who was sort of trying to write Lovecraftian fiction or whatever, aren't like mm -hmm. the Illithid, really. They're sort of more like Neotholids in a way. I mean, some of them are maybe like these disturbing sort of intelligent beings but even then they're not really intelligent they're more like beyond intelligent you know they're like beyond human intelligence the mind flayers have that aura a little bit but also it seems more like they're it's more like they're combining the aesthetics of lovecraftianism with conspiracy fiction to me conspiracy fiction now what do i mean by that i'm glad you asked conspiracy theories are in a way one of the oldest forms of 
fiction. I mean, it's people think of it as a modern phenomenon, but it's it's really not. If you read something like, well, okay, so let me just put, put this out there. I'm taking all of this from a book I have called The Lure of the Arcane by Theodore Ziolkowski. Zolkowski, and it's a sort of historical walk through conspiracy theory fiction from the remote past to contemporary contemporary world. And he begins the book with an analysis of like ancient Greek fiction dealing with uh, mystery cults and the sort of um, sense of an esoteric truth in some of these cults. So he talks about the Bacchae of Euripides and Apuleius's golden golden ass, right? Um, the Bacchae is about Dionysus and the, I think it's called golden ass, right? Yeah, Apuleius the golden ass. Is about the, yeah, yeah it's about, among other things, right? Because multiple things happen in this story. Uh, the mystery cult of Isis. It's about, it's about a guy who turns himself into a donkey on accident and goes on a wild adventure. And wacky. Yeah, but it, it ends with all these reflections about the mystery cult of Isis. Yeah, it's like propaganda hidden in a in a fun story about animals. The guy who turns into a donkey. <laughs> it's the inspiration for the Emperor's New Groove. So a German sociologist named Georg Simmel identified some basic elements of secret societies before the term conspiracy theory was coined. Okay, according to this book, he said that they offer A, exclusion against the broader social environment by providing B, esoteric slash exoteric meaning, and C, an intensification of the feeling of unity, D, a demand for absolute obedience, E, to unknown leaders, and F, they achieve the sense of equalization by wearing masks and costumes. So if you've seen the uh, Kubrick movie, Eyes Wide Shut, there you go. So in Eyes Wide Shut, there's this big conspiracy cult. So from my mind, this is a little bit of a stretch, but I think there's something there there's this sort of esoteric, um, like plan to conquer the world, uh-huh. right? That's being realized in this sort of inaccessible society of super intelligent beings that destroy your own pre, pre initiation identity once you are brought into the fold. And they have a sort of grotesque, uh, concealment. And that's where the Lovecraftian dimension is. I think the Lovecraftian dimension replaces the wearing of masks and costumes. Mm-hmm. And the elder brain is sort of this sense that, you know, all of these mystery cults or later conspiracies have some sort of like hidden absolute center point around which the conspiracy mm-hmm. rotates, you know, whether it's like Dionysus Isis's ecstatic rites or whatever. So I think that it's sort of like the application of this eldritch vibe to a lot of the semiotics of conspiracy cults. You know, I can actually I can actually buy this, Matt. And I think that this actually makes a lot of sense if you look at sort of the trajectory of D&D as a game and as a source of lore and as a story that when we first meet the mind flayers one of their abilities of their mind blast is to cause permanent insanity right and they cause permanent insanity in smart people because in lovecraftian cosmic horror that's what happens if you and there's a great quote about this i think from the call of cthulhu where he says like it is a mercy that we are unable to fathom the um the horrors that are out there literally if we are not intelligent to understand to put the pieces together that's a good thing because if we were we would be driven mad by it right. and so if you're smart and you meet an illithid and they use their mind blast on you you go crazy because it is so like foreign and alien and horrifying and then as they develop and change and the hobby grows and changes they lose that that power to just drive you crazy and they become a lot more like these these conspiracy cults 
that you're talking about. Yeah, and you know what else? Um, there's a sense in which you can't approach the esoteric truth unless you've been ritually initiated mm-hmm. into the illithid society by means of this... Saramorphosis. You know, exactly, where you lose your particular identity prior to to the initiation, right? Yeah. It's, it's like the ritual of Eleusis or something. Like, if you're not a ritual initiate, you're not capable of apprehending yeah. the meaning of the ritual or and something. And that there's this, like, sort of... I mean, it's still preserving this kind of horror, but in some ways it becomes a bit more of like a like a body horror uh, or I guess it's like it's sort of mashing up a bunch of different kinds of horror like oh this like fear of cults and a bit of like sprinkling of Lovecraftian aesthetic and body horror as you are physically transformed into this creature but that ultimately it's like this fear of losing your individuality and becoming part of this cult that we know from the lore that you brought up Matt that they they do lose their their identity when they sacrifice their brain to the elder brain right they think that they are being liberated and joining the clock collective consciousness but they're not it's all a, a lie right it's all a lie and it's a secret cabal that will take over the world yeah actually this uh yeah so i mean i actually think that this point is sort of i mean i always thought illithids were cool although i didn't really know that much about them i just knew like oh i like lovecraft stuff and they look cool and now you know too much now i know way more than i ever wanted to i've i've been initiated and the this the disturbing truth's been revealed um no what i was going to say is actually now that we've talked a little bit about this lore i think that they're more original than i gave them credit for they're actually kind of combining a lot of different influences mm-hmm. that are that are sort of um not necessarily you don't see in lovecraft there are cults, but they just worship yeah. these beings, right? And they're portrayed as like ignorant or something because it's just a human way of not really mm-hmm. understanding what's going on. Like the cult is sort of like they take them to be these religious beings when yeah. they're not. But uh, in this, it's like a it's kind of a different vibe. Yeah. I think this is more uh, unique than I thought before we did. It this is episode. it is kind of unique, and part of this is you know I think part of this comes about because you have a bunch of different authors that are putting their own spin on these creatures. And trying new things and experimenting and not everything catches on. Like the Githyanki Githzerai thing, that seems to have caught on. That has stuck through the through the history of the game. Whereas the bit about Cyric, Aquar, the Sunset World, or the bit about the time travel does not seem to have been picked up. I mean, we'll see where 5e goes, but there's just not as much lore production as there was in 5e and... As in, uh, sorry, in 3.5 and 2E. It's too bad because that time travel bit actually is really cool. The idea of like a secret society that the truth of the matter is that they came from the future Mm -hmm. in order to conquer the past is kind of cool. I really like it. I will. The only thing like maybe this, I don't know if this is a critique or whatever, but when you decide something so totalizing about the game that it's like, oh, eventually in the future, the official lore that's buried in this one random supplement on page 73 is that, oh, eventually the mind flares will just take over everything and so well we won't let, let's bracket that for later yeah so uh let i think this is probably a good place to wrap up what are your final thoughts so before on we get to flayers? the final thoughts the last development in the lore of oh no mind flayers oh my God. comes comes from the <laughs> i offered you an offer app and you didn't take it <laughs> i know you did but uh fuck that 2007 with the monster manual oh. 5 has a super weird lore piece called the Mind Flayers of Thune. Okay. The Mind Flayers have long explored the cosmos beyond their underground lairs, and <clears throat> and what is it? And some have returned from the cosmos, the other planes, or were perhaps sent back dramatically changed, capable of great feats of construct crafting and selective breeding. Though the physical changes were dramatic, the more profound change was the very consciousness of those illithids. They now speak reverently of a being, a god, a philosophy, known to them as Thune. 
And so there are mind flayers of Thune. And no one knows what Thune is. It's whatever you want it to be. (laughs) (laughs) It's Thune. Instructions are unclear. So there's sort of the lore piece behind this. They add in this like Thune, like what the hell is Thune? What is this? And it's kind of, I like that it's vague because then I can put it in my campaign and and sort of play around with, oh, what is Thune? What does this mean? It's like a mystery. And the players get to sort of uncover it. But the mechanical thing that this does is it gives them an excuse to add another dimension to mind flayers. So we have the grouping of monsters that come from the sunset world where the mind flayers live. That's like the Illithidae, the Cesarids, your Gendrids, your Saltors, your Embrax, etc. You Kigrids. And then you have the grouping of monsters that are like part of the Mind Flayer Society. So it's like your Ulithiards, Tadpoles, Illithocytes, Neothelids, Brain Golems, um, Elder Brains, etc. Now you suddenly get these Thune constructs. And so <clears throat> really, you could just toss them in um, a normal Mind Flayer lair. But you can just change the lore a little. Yeah, you just change the lore a little bit. But you have rules for making thralls. You have, like, soldiers that have these blades on them. You have these giant slug, like, mad crafters of Thune that have these giant tanks on their backs, and they shoot out constructs during combat. It's so cool. Oh, wow. You have scythers of Thune that, like, slash people up. You have storm clouds of Thune, which are these weird, like, tentacle-floating robots that shoot lightning and shit. You have Thune hulks, which are just giant like smashing monsters and then you have a variant elder brain what about the uh what about the mind shredder they don't they don't have that what is a mind shredder is that related um are you looking at something i'm looking at the mind shredder from monster manual 3 from 3.5 oh no that's a very different creature it looks like an ant it is very different (laughs) it is more like an ant it's like a big monster ant that's the thing with like the two like mandibles and has a bunch of shit flying around it right yeah it's like a psionic ant Yeah, yeah anyway Thune, as far as I'm aware, has not been picked up by by fifth edition, and it's not really clear what they were going for. Give it, it time, but it's kind of a fun little lore piece. It is a fun lore piece. And so, out of all of this, we get the mind flayer in Stranger Things, which has nothing to do with it. So, what's your big takeaway from this? So I'm, episode, I'm Joe? curious what your takeaway is. You've been listening to me ramble on for the past like two hours about some really niche interests. What do you think? My takeaway is all of this was boring until I came and saved the day with my cult analysis and that just unified everything and made it interesting. It really brought everything together. Yep. It brought everything together. No, I think the takeaway is that I don't know what other people are going to get out of this, but I don't think I have actually ever encountered. Maybe nothing. Maybe nothing. I don't think I and any of our games have encountered like mind flares or anything like that. Illithids. So I kind of now would like to uh, see someone try to make use of this stuff that, you know, like that I'd be playing with. That'd, That'd be, be kind of cool. I'm glad that that's a, that's a good takeaway that like this is inspired some more interest in the creature and made them perhaps a little bit yeah. more than just like kind of your classic Lovecraftian monster. I guess my yeah. my big thing is the mind flare is integral to the history of D&D. It's part of what makes D&D D&D. In fact, when <coughs> it's one of the few monsters that is only that is like D&D property. Wizards of the Coast owns the mind flare because a lot of these other monsters like orcs hot halflings elves those are like classic monsters anyone can print that but mind flayers are among the very few that only wizards of the coast can produce and so Boy. and so as we think about D often it's like oh it's just like lord of the rings i think the thing one of the things that makes D very special and very interesting is the ways it integrates um lovecraftian cosmic horror in the elithids in the beholders which are another pr- proprietary monster 
in a bunch of these like weird aberrations and the way that they mix and match a bunch of different horror elements and horror tropes to build them. The cult analysis that you brought up, the body horror, the cosmic horror, and the way that they all, you know, kind of come together creates something different and interesting and unique. And of course, yeah, I think big, sorry, the the last thing, (laughs) Jesus Christ, Joe. Yeah, go on, go on. This is, this is our pitch to the Duffer brothers for the season five of Stranger Things is we find out that, that the authors of Dungeons and Dragons hear about what happened in Hawkins and decide to integrate it into the game. Sunset World, all these monsters become the Cesarids and your Saltors and whatnot. No, that's, this is my pitch. That's not, that's your pitch. My pitch is that the upside down should be, the upside down should be set, should turn out to be the future, not, uh, not another dimension. All right, all right. And it should turn out that Vecna is Finn Wolfhard. All right, all right, all right. That would, which is apparently not canon. <laughs> that is definitely not. But I mean, you know, you never know. Like, I haven't seen it, so it could be what it is. It could be lying. I, I could be. I could be. I'm definitely not. In fact, everyone else, <laughs> everyone else who listens to this because they heard they like enjoy Stranger Things is going to think you're an idiot. You know, we'll see. We'll see who's uh, who's right. Yeah, I guess <laughs> we'll see. I guess we will. <laughs> and so. This episode that I said I wanted to be 20 minutes, we've now been recording for almost two hours. Two hours! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, well, that's okay. All this to say is... God damn. I'm Joe. I'm Matt. Here's where it's at. Here's where it's at. Hold on to your hat. <laughs> <laughs>